you remain standing for just a moment. I'm going to be reading out of our text today. I don't want to be too long. Um, amen. We've been worshiping here for a little while already, but that's all right. Praise God. I just want to share a message that God has laid on my heart. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Then after that, we're going to read out of the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 2. And just so you know, for the next few weeks after today, we're going to continue on studying and 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 uh, I'll continue to be preaching out of the book of Acts. So for the next month or so, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And we're going to start today, amen, with Acts chapter 2. But first we read in Matthew 11, excuse me, 3 and 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, amen, whose shoe I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Someone say Holy Ghost. Oh, say it again. Say Holy Ghost. And with fire. Someone say fire. Now Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. Someone say fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. On this Pentecost Sunday, I want to preach for a few moments, acquire the fire. Can someone say amen? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to talk just for a few moments about fire, something that we are all familiar with. Fire is one of the most captivating elements on the earth. And in the physical realm, fire serves us in countless ways, right? It warms our bodies on a cold night. How many of you are thankful for your heater in the, in the wintertime? Amen. You crack on the, crank up the heater, and I know no, nobody's doing that right now, right? But, but in the, in the wintertime... We appreciate fire. It satisfies our hunger. Without fire, we couldn't cook our food, right? And transform those raw ingredients uh, into something that uh, is delicious. So we need fire for our food. We also appreciate fire for the cleansing of our bodies. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't like taking cold showers. You know, I like, thank God for my, my, uh, my water heater because it heats up the fire. It heats up the water. And, uh, and it's that warm water that will wash away the dirt and the grime of the days. Fire serves all sorts of purposes. It, it also, in nature, it, it purges our forest. Every once in a while, you hear about a forest fire. And uh, even though we are concerned for the, the houses and the uh, property that it could damage, uh, we also understand that uh, nature does take its course. So sometimes uh, fires are necessary to purge our forest so that it can be regenerated and thrive. That's nature's way of purging itself. And, and finally, fire also separates impurities from uh, valuable elements such as precious metals. A precious metal like silver or gold will go through a fiery furnace so that only what is true, only what is pure remains. So fire serves many important purposes in our daily life. We need the fire. And so therefore it makes perfect sense then that God often manifested his spirit in the form 
of fire. Some would say fire. And throughout the word of God, throughout the narrative of scripture, we see fire as an emblem, as a symbol of God's manifested presence among his people, such as the burning bush or the pillar of fire that led the people of God by night in the wilderness. That was also a symbol of God's spirit. Or how about the fire that fell on Mount Carmel when the prophet Elijah faced off against the prophet of Baal? Uh, the fire fell, and that was a symbol of God's spirit. Also in the Old Testament tabernacle, beyond the veil in the most holy place, there was the divine light, or as we might refer, the Shekinah glory of God, where the fire of God burned. And so there is something about fire that God uh, believes uh, will show us a part of who he is. There is something about fire that connects to the nature of God, that connects to the essence of God. And perhaps this is why, according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29, I'll read it for you, that our God is not only like fire, but someone say, our God, our God. is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. Would you clap your hands and give God some praise for that today? Amen. God is not just like a fire. God is fire. And this is an important truth for us to understand, to accept into our minds, into our hearts today, that God is a fire. And so therefore, uh, when he comes and when he encounters us and when he seeks to dwell and lead our lives, uh, there is a fiery uh, uh, element, there is a passion, there is like the prophet Jeremiah said, when he felt the presence of God, he said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. How many of you have ever felt, I think we were feeling a little bit like that today as we were worshiping God. The fire shut up in my body. He said it's like fire contained within me. And so 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost when the 120 disciples were all gathered together in the upper room praying and seeking the promise of a father whom Jesus said not many days from now you're going to receive the comforter. You're going to receive the spirit of truth. You're going to receive my spirit, the helper. And, and so tarry in Jerusalem and pray and seek. And as they were praying and fasting and seeking God there in the upper room, the Bible says that as they were praying, suddenly that room where they were at began to shake and began to move. And, and in that place, the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And it was like fire that set upon each and every one of those disciples disciples uh, that was worshiping God. It was like fire that set upon their, their tongue and set upon their head as they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And I've come to tell you today, church, I've come to announce into your heart and to your spirit that the same God that fell 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost is the same God that is falling today in this very hour. I wish I had a witness in the house of God today. I said, I wish I had somebody that would testify with me that the same God 
God that is there is the same God that is here right now. Would you shout hallelujah if you believe that is true? I've come to tell you that the church was born in the fire, and we've got to stay in the fire. We don't have time for smoke. We don't have time for ashes. We get to get that fire burning in our hearts and in our homes and in our faith. Somebody ought to thank God today that the fire is still burning in the church. Praise God. How many of you are thankful for the fire today? We need the fire. I don't want the smoke. You know what smoke is? Smoke is where fire used to be. Smoke is, and you know, we got some smoky Christians nowadays, huh? We got some smoky Christians, and, and they're always talking about the way it was, and they're always talking about how God used to move and how God did and way back when. And, and you know, I, I don't want to live in the smoke of God, huh? I want to live in the fire of God. I want to live where the coals are burning. I don't want the smoke. I want the fire to burn. I don't want to live in yesterday. Come on, am I talking to somebody? I want to live in the now. Our God is a consuming fire, and he wants to consume his church. And he wants to consume every one of us today. So fire is that prevalent symbol of the Holy Ghost. And I think there are a few things that we can look at today. I may not get through all of my points, but I'm going to get through the most important ones today. And that is that we must receive it. And we are talking today about the baptism of fire. John the Baptist, when he came to the scene preparing the way of the Lord, he was the forerunner to Christ. And he began preaching a message of repentance. And he was called John the Baptist because he baptized folks. And he baptized them with a baptism unto repentance. But he said, there's someone else who's coming after me. You see, I'm not the one, John was saying. I, I, if you're looking for the answer, uh, I'm not the guy. I'm not the one that's going to save your sins. Uh, but the moment that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ come, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. And he said, There's one that is coming who is mightier than I. If you could put on the scripture for me again in Matthew 3.11, there's one that's coming who's mightier than I. And he says, He's not just going to baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There is one that is coming after me and he's going to fill you up to the uttermost with fire and that fire is going to burn and that fire is going to consume you and this gives us a picture of the spirit of God and it shows us that God wants to come and to consume his people and fill them with a supernatural experience of the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost and it is for every one of us here today. How many of you are thankful that God will fill anybody with his spirit? Amen, somebody. How many of you are thankful that God will not just fill a select group of people, but God wants to pour out his spirit upon everybody? And the feeling of God is important. And there are different terms throughout scripture that, that, that describe the, the descending of the spirit of God. Different, different terms uh, like the, the falling or, or descending or, or pouring or feeling, different adjectives to describe the Spirit of God. And these are all acceptable terms. But the John the Baptist's terminology, I think, provides the most clearest picture of what the Spirit of God does. It gives us the clearest definition of what happens when we receive the Spirit. John said again in 3.5, he shall baptize you. Someone say baptize. Come on, say it again. Say baptize. I like that. Can I just tell you that I really like that word baptize? 
I really like that word today. All the other terms we use are good, but I just think this term baptize really captures the essence of what happens when a life is consumed by the presence of God. Because this word baptize is a strong term signifying a complete and total uh, a consuming, a complete and total experience, this word baptize. The word baptize means to be immersed, to be totally covered. Water baptism is a form of this. When you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, you go all the way down, amen, somebody, into the water. And the water covers you from head to toe. Amen. It's got to cover all of you. And there's been some times, can I tell you, where I have baptized somebody, and when I'm baptizing them, uh, uh, one of their legs or something will come up on the other side. I said, uh-oh, we need to, ba- I have baptized people again, because I, I said, they didn't go all the way down. I need your pinky toe to get saved, too. You know, I need everybody to go under the water. Somebody say amen. I got to make sure you go all the way down. And can I tell you that the Holy Ghost doesn't just want to fill you up uh, uh, 50%. He doesn't just want to fill you up a quarter percent. I'm telling, I'm telling you, God wants to baptize you completely and totally. Every aspect of your life has got to get consumed with the fire of God. I'm talking about from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. God wants to fill up. Somebody needs to give the Lord some praise here today. He wants to fill all of your life. That is a true baptism. Pastor, why are you talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I've got to tell you because there are many different expressions of God's spirit. And some today may be confused because you felt the Holy Ghost. My friend, there is a vast difference between feeling the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between the touch of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit. And there are places you can go where you might feel the presence of God because the name of Jesus is being praised because there are some folks there who have his spirit but there is a big difference between the touch of God and the baptism of God and I've come today that one of the distinguishing marks to tell you one of the distinguishing marks of the apostolic oneness Pentecostal church is that we believe not just an in touch of God not just a a feeling of our emotions but we believe in a total baptism of the fire of God upon our lives and there is no other way that is acceptable. Let me tell you today, there is a difference between the two. Look at what Acts 2.2 says. Acts 2.2 says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. What this verse is describing is the touch of God. As they were all praying in the upper room, the Spirit of God came into the upper room and and they heard a sound. And they felt the wind in that room as they were praying. There was a sound and there was wind. In other words, uh, their, their, their five senses were t- their physical senses were touched. With their sense of sound, they heard something. And with their sense of touch, they felt something. But God did not stop there. It's not enough just to come into a Pentecostal service or an apostolic service like this and just say, wasn't that wonderful? I 
felt something. And that's great. We want you to feel something. But it's not enough just to feel something. It was This was just the beginning. So God starts to move upon your heart. You feel something. You feel chill bumps down your spine. Woo, that felt good. Tears begin to roll down your eye. Friend, you are feeling the touch of God. But God wants to take you further than just a touch. He wants to transform you from the inside out. Hallelujah. God wants to dwell in your heart. And I've come to tell you that the spirit you feel on the outside. I'm going to need some help on this point. Come on, somebody preach with me here today. The spirit you feel on the outside has got to fill you up on the inside. It, oh, come on now, somebody. How do I know whether somebody has been baptized or they just got a touch from God? If all you do is get a touch from God, you'll go right back to the life of sin that you were living. If all you do is get a touch from God, you'll say, ooh, wasn't that a good service today? And go right back to where you were. If all you do is get a touch from God, you might cry on the altar and not change your life. If all you do is get a touch from my God, I need some help today. If all you do is get a touch from God, you might cry, you might spit, you might shout, but you won't speak in tongues. I need you to understand that a real baptism of the Holy Ghost, come on now, somebody, will get all the way down on the inside of your heart until it fills you up and you cannot contain your, I need somebody right now for the next 30 seconds just to give God a spontaneous prayer, give God a shout of glory, say, God, I need you to Come on, somebody, if you're thankful for the Holy Ghost, if you're thankful that God has come to fill us up. We need more than just a touch. How many of you know we got to be filled? Someone say, be filled. And then not only do we got to be filled, we got to stay filled. We got to keep being refilled and renewed in the Spirit. But how do you know when you've been baptized by the Spirit? I'll show you. God doesn't want anyone leaving this place today confused, wondering, scratching their head. Did I get it? Did I not? God wants you to know because in verse 3 it says, and I'll be preaching just for a few more moments. It says, then there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So not only did they get a touch but they continued to pray and then the spirit of God started to rest and fill them and so what the spirit did it supernaturally enabled them to speak with a tongue and with a language that they could not understand or they had never learned to speak something happens when you are filled with the spirit of God oh my lord I get excited when I think about it oh come on hallelujah anybody get excited when you think Think about that. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. And God got a hold of their tongue. And they started speaking with another tongue, with an angelic tongue, with a heavenly tongue that no one else could decipher. And it was the evidence. God doesn't want anybody here today to be confused about whether or not you have the Holy Ghost or not because you've got to speak it. Someone say, speak it. That's my, come on, someone say, speak it. Come on, say it again. Say, speak it. That's my next point. You got to speak it. God said, I'm going to take that tongue of yours, and I'm going to supernaturally touch it so that when you receive my spirit, oh, Rabbi, 
you begin to speak with another tongue as the Spirit of the Lord gives you the utterance. Come on, someone just worship him right now. Oh, come on, church. Come on, let's worship him for a moment. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody begin to pray right now. I feel something happening in this place. Uh, I feel something moving right now. I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to take over. I feel something beginning to stir. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody who's got some fire in your belly, somebody who's got Pentecost in your spirit, somebody who knows what I'm preaching, let the Spirit of God move upon you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is something that God wants to get a hold of. It's our life. And the way that God gets a hold of our life is he gets a hold of our tongue. Because if God can get a hold of our tongue, you see, it's no accident. It's no accident that that tongue, the tongue was the place of the evidence, that the tongue was the sign to the believer that they had received the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Bible teaches us the power of the tongue. It teaches us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It teaches us in James that, that the tongue is so powerful that like a bit in a horse's mouth or a a rudder on a, on a big ship. Your tongue directs your life. And what I've come to tell somebody today is that whoever controls your tongue controls the person. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Jesus. Help me to preach this today. My God. Ah, someone say preach it. Come on now. Whoever controls the tongue controls the life. The tongue we can bless and we can curse. Isn't that right? With the tongue we can sing praises or, or we can curse. With the tongue we can tear down or we can build up. With the tongue we can edify or we can destroy. With the tongue we can sweeten or we can poison. And according to James, he writes that the tongue is the fireplace of the soul. He writes in James 3 and verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boast great things. See how a great forest, a little fire can kindle. I want to tell somebody today that every tongue is burning. I'm not, you don't have to touch your tongue right now, but I can tell you that every tongue is burning today. And the only question is, is that what is it burning for? The only question is, is what is burning your tongue? What type of fire is burning in your mouth? If the devil has his way, then your tongue will burn with sin and with evil. But if God gets a hold of your tongue, then it'll burn with holy fire. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, because i got to convince some of you right now. Some of you are looking at me like you're not quite sure. The Bible says, James in verse chapter 3, verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. It sets, the, it sets on fire the course of nature. And look at this. And it is set on fire by hell itself. James is telling us, I'll be just another moment, James is telling us uh, that whether we like it or not, our tongues are going to burn with something. Your tongue is either going to be set on fire by hell or it's going to be set on fire by heaven. It's either going to burn for the devil or it's going to burn for God. My Lord, I wish I had a witness here today. And God is telling us today, if that tongue, look at what it says, in that tongue can defile the whole body. 
Your tongue can defile your life, your whole body, your whole world, your whole family. And if that is true, dear brother and sister, then the opposite is also true. If the tongue can defile the body, then the tongue can also be used to sanctify the body. Oh, my God, I wish I had a witness here today. And so God said, I got to fill you up, and I got to give you a heavenly language so that your life will burn with the Holy Ghost and fire. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody give God some praise. Piano player, come on. Somebody magnify. I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel burning on my lips today. I got a question for you today. Do you want your mouth to burn with hell or do you want it to burn with heaven? Do you want it to burn for the devil or do you want it to burn for God? I don't know about you, my friend, but I want God to get a hold of my life today. Is there somebody? Do I got a witness in the house? I want God to burn within me. Why don't you open up your mouth even now? Why don't you worship God even now and let the praises of God's people fill this place? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, don't stop. I'm asking for somebody to magnify. Oh, hallelujah. God said, I got to get a hold of that tongue of yours. I got to get a hold of it. If I do, I'll get a hold of your life. The prophet Isaiah said, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. I came to tell somebody that it has always been the plan of God to fill up his people to the uttermost and get a hold of their tongue and their mouth and fill it with the fire of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I can hardly contain myself. I, I don't know. You see, we've got professional Christians nowadays, professional Pentecostal who know how to turn it off and turn it on whenever they feel like it. I wish we would get back to a place where we just let the fire of God move and whatever God wants to do, let him do it. Come on now, somebody. I said whatever, God. Oh, somebody break out in worship. Somebody break out in praise today. Somebody break out in the spirit of God. Come on, don't stop, church, don't stop. Come on, don't stop. On the day of Pentecost, they didn't even have the choir. They didn't have the music. They didn't have the praise team. They didn't have the worship leader. We don't need those things. They're nice, but there's a spirit of God that is brewing in the church right now. Come on, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. You know, this church will be as hot as you want it to be. This church will burn as hot as you want it to be, church. It'll burn as hot. And the problem is that there are some folks in here today, you've lost your fire. You've lost, you get offended with me if you want to, but you've lost your fire. I remember the day that the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was almost 30 years ago. I came to an altar and I stood there and I stood there for a long time and the preacher kept preaching and I don't know what they were singing that day I don't know if it was the most current song on the music charts or not I don't know what the environment was like at that time all I know was that I was hungry for God all I know was that I was a, I was just a 12 a 13 year old boy that said I, I am not you see this is my mind I am not leaving this altar until I speak with other tongues and the the problem with 
some of us as we give up too easy. If we don't feel something in 30 seconds, we've checked out emotionally, we've checked out mentally, and we're waiting for the next thing to happen in the church. But I've come to tell you that God is raising up a generation in this house. I said, God is raising up a generation in this hour that said, God, I'm going to tarry as long as I got to until I speak with other tongues. Would you stand right there where you are? I feel the spirit of God moving in this place. I stand there and I just begin to worship God. And someone came beside me and they said, Brother Jacob, just keep worshiping the Lord. Just keep praising God. They told me, don't close your mouth because God's not going to get a hold of you if you're mouth is closed. So I just started glorifying him. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. I praise you. And they said, yeah, keep doing that. Keep worshiping the Lord. And they didn't have to teach me how to speak in tongues. They didn't say, say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah 20 times and then that's the Holy Ghost. No, because if you have to be taught how to speak in tongues, then it's not the real Holy Ghost. You're not hearing what I'm saying today. They said, keep worshiping him. So there I was with my hands lifted. I was sweating. I was crying and I was jumping and they said keep seeking him keep seeking him and I said all right I'll keep seeking him I keep seeking him I don't know I might have been the only one there at the altar but then something came upon me but then the Holy Ghost came over me and all of a sudden I started speaking with another something got is there anybody here today that knows what I'm talking about right now in the name of Jesus I invite somebody to let the Spirit of God pour out on you He's here on this altar. Is there anybody that needs to speak with new tongues today? Is there anybody that needs the fire of God? Is there anybody that needs a refilling of the Holy Ghost? Right now is your opportunity.